Hi, friend. <laughs> Booty ho! That was great. <laughs> All right, everyone, let's get started. Sorry. We have a special guest for you today, dear listeners. The one, the only, Ryan Douglas, author extraordinaire of The Taking of Jake Livingston. But since we're talking about that book a little bit today, um, first off, we need to know who has not yet read it so we can glare at them ugly. Fine. Okay, oh. I just haven't had a chance yet. How hard did you get, Grant? I didn't want to Nice. Nice. Oh, exciting. Yeah, there are two of us here who have listened to it in, in lieu of reading it. Uh, so nice. I have some questions about that later because uh, Kevin Free and Michael Crouch, killer. Mm-hmm. Killer. I loved, I loved what they did with it. It was amazing. Yeah. I've been meaning to listen to it because I love both of them, but, you know, oops. It's on my phone. Chop, chop. That is a start for you. We'll get to it. Actually, fun fact, that's the only copy of Jake that I owned for weeks because I kept giving copies away to people. Literally, like I had like 12 copies sitting at home at one point and people would talk about, oh, I need a scary book. So I'd show up to rehearsal the next day with a copy of Jake. <laughs> Just throw it at their face. Read this. Yeah, I literally. Like, I feel like three of us have had that, uh, the taking of Jake Livingston on our staff at one point or another. Yes, there have been um, three of you that have had it on your staff. And we throw it at people, too. Like, not literally throw it at people, but... Oh, and they no. come back and they have a cursed thought. <laughs> a cursed thought. Oh, a cursed thought. I need to know what your cursed thought is. What show were you rehearsing when you gave this uh, book to everyone? Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Why? You can sing Jake Livingston very poorly to the tune of Jacob and Sons. <laughs> as my brain just did. I hate you. Cursed, I said. <laughs> So wait, actually, I want to know how that goes now. Oh, kind of. Sorry. We, 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 we do have a little routine. Every, every podcast we start off for reader's advisory purpose, we uh, go around and tell everyone what we're all reading, watching, playing, listening to. I mean, if you're playing a video game instead of reading a book right now, please, by all means, let us know. Um, you're with Aaron right now. Do we want to start with Ryan or do we want to start? Yes, I want to know Ryan's reading. Or playing, reading, um, playing. Okay, I'm reading Nothing But Black and Teeth by Cassandra Call. <gasps> it's on my list. <laughs> it's really good. The prose is like just so uncomfortable and twisted and sharp. I'm just really loving it right now. Oh, yay. I'm so glad someone that I know is reading that because I've been wanting to. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Okay. The All right. Terrifying. The cover is terrifying, but I want to read it. See, the problem is the cover is terrifying, but it had an N.K. Jemsen quote on it. And I was like, so this means it's mm-hmm. scary or like, but okay. Cool beans. I don't think it's that scary so far. Okay. All right. Nice. All right, Aaron, Me? what are you playing or reading? Uh, so right now, reading-wise, I'm plowing through Stags by M.A. Bennett, which is basically like Dangerous Game of Teens. Um, oh, yeah. The premise of the book is that main character is a scholarship student at a English boarding school slash private school mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of rich kids. They're the scholarship student, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of other scholarship students, and they get invited out to go hunting with the uh, rich kids. Yeah. Um, turns out that the rich kids aren't hunting animals, they're hunting the scholarship students. <laughs> That's so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully down for it. I like it so far. Um, 
literally the first line of this book is like, I didn't mean to be a murderer or something like that. And I was like, well, hello, that's a way to open it. Um, Game wise, I'm uh, currently downloading and I will be playing when I go home after I finish my homework. Uh, Graveyard Keeper, which is like a Hmm. pixelated like management game where you're in control of a medieval graveyard and have to make decisions and you have to actually build up your graveyard. It's interesting. I have a game thing for you when we're off the clock. Yes. Um, oh god okay so i am because i'm this person i'm reading two nonfiction books right now and both of them are extremely nerdy um one of them is called four british fantasists it's by charles butler and it is a work of literary criticism that tries to find some um word common ground in the works of Diana Wynne Jones, Penelope Lively, Alan Garner, and Susan Cooper. Um, so that's actually really fun because again, I'm the person that I am. But I'm also reading a book that I think every writer who wants to be published right now, who is not a straight white male, should read. And it's called A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. That book, just in she the first place. in the first chapter alone, she tells you exactly how to navigate what we're still facing and the fact that it was written a hundred years ago by a white British lady is kind of terrifying. Like it's just like, oh, okay, ma'am. Um roll over in your grave a few times, it's fine. Um, but it's really good. Grant! Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm continuing the Cold Fire trilogy by C.S. Friedman. When yeah. True Night Falls, I think it's called. This is the second one. Second one. Oh, okay. yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, I just really, I really enjoy the world that you created. I like the magic system. Um, like I mentioned before, anything where sci fi and fantasy are just kind of mixed together in like a weird gumbo, I'll enjoy it. Yeah. So, love yeah. yeah. I finished approximately uh, nine minutes before I was supposed to clock in this morning. Yeah. This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron, which was really good. Like, the it starts a little bit slow, and by the end, like, this thing got turned to 11. We're in. Let's go. Buckle up, kids. It's great. Nice. And then I am going to start. I was going to start on my lunch break, but somebody just wanted to talk to me for an hour. I don't know who that would be. I am going to start <laughs> rereading The Protector of the Small Books by Samara Fierce, because I just need to do that for myself right now. Sure. Sure. Andy. I have the most fun one. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> I am currently listening. Oh, right? Can we talk about it a few yeah. times? Yeah. I'm currently listening to Robert E. Lee and Me, A Southerner's Reckoning with the Myth of the Lost Cause by, and I'm going to butcher his name, despite the fact that he said it, and he's even referenced a hard to pronounce last name, Ty Saduli, which. Spell it? S I E S E I D U L E. Like he said, like probably 15 times in the book, I'm like, dear gosh, I cannot say it. Sure. But um, it's exactly what it sounds like. And it's wonderful. It's angering a little bit, but it, it, it's wonderful um, because he talks about his journey as being a man who revered Robert E. Lee. Mm-hmm. And then growing up to the point where he's like, no, we should not revere Robert E. Lee. Um, retired soldier, former uh, professor of history at West Point. I was going to say, yeah, he's so he's, too, right? He's, his like PhD studies kind of leaned into, Ooh. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm listening to. It's a horror story of its own. Uh, it, it's 
I learned a little tidbit like you like at cemeteries and military cemeteries you sometimes will often see um like coins on grave gravestones yes. mm-hmm. headstones and each the value of each coin represents a significance like if you're if you drop quarter on it that means you were with the veteran when they passed away mm-hmm. or when they were killed oh, wow. so on and so forth a penny is just acknowledging um but in many southern cemeteries i learned through this book just a little bit of trivia it's kind of cool is that many deep like old world south uh, you know confederate southerners they will not you can say racist white people (laughs) they will leave the penny face down because they don't want to show the face of the great betrayer abraham lincoln wow that's impressive oh my god that is what impressively petty a level of petty that to which we all can aspire uh, or not like uh, i don't know how that works like, like impressive in a bad way yeah, like, yeah. Like, that, that's just like yeah i mean uh, well these but are the people who <laughs> sewed hoods in order to ride around and kill people but it's fine <clears throat> ryan <laughs> davis are you ready to run screaming for the hills yet? <laughs> no, I'm just listening to you guys. Oh, yeah. no. Well, now we got to listen to you. All right. So, like, okay, where do we want to start? Like, um, tell us about life story. What's your, is it pop or is it soda? What's your pet peeve? <laughs> Would you be willing to go to jail to correct your pet peeve? Um, what? That's Those the are some weirdly hear. specific questions. That's the one I want. That is very specific. Um, what's, what's my pet peeve? Like, what? Do I get annoyed that other people do, or what do I do that other people don't like? Well, for example, I run an Instagram, a secondary Instagram to my own that's based on bad parking jobs of my hometown. And I used to leave the license plates very visible, but I got into a little bit of trouble with that. I was much younger then. I always forget how petty you are. (laughs) So that was just, you know, something minor, something major. Hmm. Um, I don't like when people honk on the roads. <laughs> Even if it's justified, I just don't like I don't like road rage. That's a huge one for me. I just get so uncomfortable because I'm like, why can't we all just forgive each other? You know? That is so, so like if you're in a car with <laughs> and they get upset at something someone else does you don't like that is that what you're saying? i get really anxious when that happens and i'm like i get it but like i just i don't like it i don't like it okay i'm so quick to forgive when stuff happens on the road i'm just like <laughs> note to self when i go to atlanta you're driving <laughs> <laughs> yeah your road rage is high always i hate <laughs> the way that people drive Remember that scene in X-Men where Magneto like flips the car? There are a lot of scenes. In- <laughs> well, yeah, when he's on the road, he stops the car on the road and just flips mm-hmm. it off the side of the road. I sometimes wish yeah. I had that ability. But, um- <laughs> I don't think either of these people should be driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So is it pop or soda? Um, soda for me. Darn it. It's a it's soda? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. Oh, right. Yeah, I was hoping you learned the error of the southern ways. Um, no, my parents are from Chicago. Well, my dad's from Indiana. My mom's from Chicago, so they say pop, but I say soda. So. Uh, born and raised in Atlanta. Yeah, I was. 
I wonder if it's because of like the fact that like everyone else around you, like friends and like people you talk to every day, say soda. Like just yeah. like the fact that like your mom says pop. But like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's because of that. So like your brain associates the word soda more with so mm-hmm. because you're gonna get clowned by every middle schooler who hears you say no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but like it's just word association. Self-preservation. It's definitely like my brain is like a mix of like Midwestern and Southern. Um, it's yeah, it just <laughs> certain things I picked up from them and certain things I picked up from my environment. So, <laughs> writing characters sometimes difficult because you have that like mix going on all the time. So sometimes a character will say something and you have to remind yourself like they're from Georgia. They <laughs> Um, not really, just because I base characters on people that I've known or blends of people that I've known. So it's just kind of whatever I've heard or similar things that I've seen people say in life. So it's almost like a copy and paste. So it doesn't really rarely do I. Well, not copy and paste, but rarely do I create characters like out of nowhere and give them things to say and make them look ways that are just like out of my head. I definitely base characters on real people so so you said your father grew up in chicago um mom grew up in chicago my father grew up in south bend indiana have you ever spent time significant time in either south bend or chicago um more time in chicago i used to go you know Occasionally growing up, I've been to South Bend one time and <laughs> never went back after that. You <laughs> <laughs> ran into Mayor Pete, didn't you? You were like, nope, bye. Yeah, I saw Pete. I was like, no thanks. No, um, this is a long time ago. You're like, this is too cool. work for me. I'm out. Wait, who's Mayor Pete? <laughs> Pete Buttigieg. Oh my God. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, right? Sorry. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody take a shot for every little <laughs> Well, it's it's Southern Michigan. Does that mean that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to have poisoning by the end of this if we play that game? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Somebody fire a question because I'm out for half an hour. Okay. So you had the good question about how do you write your characters? Since you're also sort of taking um, mannerisms from people that you know, do you also get their names that way? Or are you like a, you know, a babynames.com guru for uh-huh. what the process is? Um, I definitely spend a lot of time on the name websites and just pick names that I like the sound of. So for me, it's kind of just like, I'm going to have to read this name a million times. And if I don't like it, and I want to write a name that I don't like a million times. So I'm just kind of like, you know, is it based on the character? Yes. Um, but it's also just like an opportunity to name a bunch of children who I will never have, but they're my fictional children. So I get to have fun with that. Um, I love that. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I have a boy now. His name is Alistair and I have a girl. Her name's going to be Fiona. Um, yeah. I love all the names that I choose. And it's really fun for me to just like, be able to make up names yeah so yeah it's definitely like behind the name.com things rather than like i actually have known people with these names you have like a back 
backlog of names that you're planning to use in the future. Like you're like, oh, I didn't get a chance to use this one, but I'm totally using it for. I definitely do, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of like I have a backlog of characters that I have never been able to use that I revisit sometimes. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, they might not fit into this story, but they'll fit into a different story in the future. So I just keep them in my brain and they're kind of just living and floating in my brain with no plot around them um, for later use. Take them out, put them in the story. Yeah. I have that with names, but I also have that with plot lines. Mm, same. To each other and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was fun. Actually, I made a decision, too, when he was talking. I'm participating in a D&D Halloween one-shot this weekend, and I have a vampire paladin character that I was like, what am I going to name it? What, what's the name for this? Uh, Alistair. Yeah. If it's okay with you. <laughs> right. I mean, Alistair is open for anyone to use. What does what does Alistair mean actually? I've never looked. At That's a great question. We should look it up yeah. because I have no idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a reference to Alistair Crowley. Oh. Well, you would because you know. <laughs> uh, defending men. Really? <laughs> As in a defender of men? Defender of the people. Wow. Oh, that. Fits so well. Yeah, it kind of fits. I like it. Good job. <laughs> we know that that was one hundred percent on purpose. Yeah, you planned. You planned that, right? Mm-hmm. I totally knew that, and I, yeah, because he's Jake's defender. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. See, I feel like I should have a whole bunch of questions to ask, but I feel like I've already asked them because it's kind of how we talk. Why <laughs> ask me? No, some of them could be really good ones because this is for other people to hear as well. Oh, that's right. I forget. It's for mm-hmm. us, but yeah. Really? Okay. I was going to ask about like notes. Like, are you an like, obsessive note taker before you start a project or during the project or after the notes? Project? You mean like planning stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you plan? Um. Yeah. So I use the notes app a lot. Um, because I'm always thinking about my ideas, like when I'm on the go or just doing anything. So whenever something comes to me, I just take it out and put it in the notes app. And I have like these long notes. I don't know if you call them documents in the app, but just like long. And then I send them to my email and I just copy and paste them into my outline. Um, so yeah, I take a lot of notes because I'm not able to just like sit down and plan I just, I'm very, my ADHD is so bad and it controls my life. So I get like quick thoughts and I have to take them down and I have to assemble them later. So yeah, notes are definitely a thing for me. Yeah. The, the ADHD thing kind of got me. I'm like, he's probably playing Galaga on a separate screen or got a little Game Boy ready. To I'm, <laughs> I'm playing with this friendship bracelet <laughs> that I got at IHOP. Um, <laughs> the hostess, no, the hostess gave us friendship bracelets um there's an ihop here where all the staff is black queer and trans people and it's kind of like a home to me so they gave us friendship bracelets when we went i love that okay so i would have missed my whole polite if you had told me that (laughs) i actually didn't know about it for a while um because it wasn't local to me but one night my friend and i we were just out and we decided to go to IHOP and 
we just found this IHOP where everybody was just community and it was awesome. And now we go there. That is yeah, that's what I'm doing. You realize that <laughs> you have to write that into a book, right? That would be fun. Right? One day when I write like fun stories, I'll, I'll write that. Come on. You could totally have that restaurant possessed by demons. Okay. I just got a this or that tip question, but I don't know if it's inflammatory as a lifelong Midwesterner. Uh-oh. Wait, was it? When has that ever been? stopped you? <laughs> Never. Oh, all right. But I wanted to acknowledge it in advance. Okay. Yeah. I have a Waffle House. Oh, that is a good question. I can't answer this question. <laughs> IHOP or Waffle House. Okay, if we're going for if you don't want a debilitating disease to come with your meal, you should go with IHOP. Yeah. Because I've never been to a clean Waffle House. You know. So. Yeah. What's this name? Clean. Sanitize. (laughs) There are a lot of weird, despicably dirty establishments that I will still go for. It just simply because the food is good. Waffle House. They're smothered fries when you're drunk. I, whoops, sorry. Um, oh, please. You're a drug <laughs> man. <laughs> this is not a child-friendly podcast, um, necessarily. Usually SFW. Okay, fine. Whatever. In that we don't like getting fired. And we're okay, getting paid that's for this. Fair. So okay. therefore, all right, I have one question that I have not asked you yet. Okay. I don't know why. Where did that spider scene come from? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot that existed. That's so funny. Because usually, <laughs> because usually when people refer to that scene, they refer to the cockroaches. So when you said spider, I was like, oh yeah, there was also the, <laughs> the spider. Um Honestly, this is not sophisticated. I really just wanted to put that in a book. I wanted to write it. Um, I thought it was so freaky and just just the image of it was so interesting and weird. Um, my editor was also like really weirded out by that whole sequence. She's like, what is the significance of the spiders? And is are these cockroaches necessary? And I was like, of course they're necessary. It's fun. <laughs> it's uh, bug horror. Why would you not want a bug horror scene? Um, that's like just like me wanting to like invade the reader's boundaries and just <laughs> be ridiculous. <laughs> it works. You, you are a horror novelist. That's kind of what you do. Yes. <laughs> just got to have some fun with it. Never with snakes. Oh, come so on. please try to see with snakes so we can get Andy freaked out. That'll be like the point where I'm like, Andy just drops the book, he closes it, and kicks it really, and walks away. For well, see, there are two. There are two. Like every time, like Ron Weasley, I'm so on ball with because like him and spiders. I'm like, yep, got you. But in the yeah. character, like that's one thing I don't understand. Where he's like freaked out by snakes. I'm like, but they're snakes. Snakes are cool. But you know, whatever. snakes are scarier than spiders for me. Really? Which ones? Snakes? Snakes yeah. are scarier than spiders to me. Oh, yeah. Right the fact that they have no legs is just not, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, it doesn't sit right. <laughs> That's interesting. I just don't like that. I don't like that. No. Slither. Yeah. No, I can see no. that. Oh. So then what is an appropriate amount of legs? Because snakes is zero and spiders is many. Spiders. Yeah, spiders is a lot. <laughs> So what is the appropriate amount of legs? Two to four. Don't ask the centipede. Don't ask the centipede because you know. We don't talk about those. <laughs> no. 
those don't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> do, you, oh, do you have a favorite bug horror scene, like, in horror, period? Um, I'm just going to say The Troop is one of my favorite books. So everything that happens in that book is awesome. What? Which, did you say The Troop? Craig the you- Troop. Craig Davidson? Yes. Yeah, Nick Cutter. Yes. Oh. I Google fast. Well, I you're in library school. Wait, Nick. I am in library school. Oh, I think you've told me to read this before. Yeah, lots of bug horror. This one. So I know yeah, I, yeah. reading some of your uh, other material, material, material I found Same. out, uh, found online from your interviews. Um, you're writing a rom-com right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait. Yeah, that a, which that I'm a sure yes someone's you ready are or no, you're not. Or at what stage are you in that <laughs> process? Um, my agent didn't like it, so I put it oh. on the shelf. Um, no, I'm gonna go back eventually, but I think you know, I'm focused on my second horror novel right now just because my agent was like not feeling it and thinks that it needs to be developed a lot more. And I don't think that I'm necessarily cut out for the rom-com. I kind of wanted to try it and I wanted to do something a little bit more lighthearted after Jake Livingston, but it was so hard to write. Like it's so hard to be in the headspace of like romance and romance that's just like without horror in between. Yeah, you're not. So it's giving me some trouble and I think that came through. So I'm taking a break on that for now. Maybe you can combine horror and whatever the rom-com and uh, eat Jake and Alistair. Uh, okay, first of all, well, I want to hear about the second horror novel. <laughs> me, I mean y'all, because I've already lost my mind a few times. Though. I would like to know about the go. second horror I novel. I want to share the love. <laughs> Dante's Game, yes, it's coming along. Um, should I talk about that? Yes! <laughs> okay, so... It takes place on an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean where these kids grow up kind of oblivious to their purpose. Or is that the word I want to use? They grow up unaware of what they are going to do when they're 18 years old. And when they're 18 years old, they go to the institute at the top of the island, which is a castle where they find out that their headmaster at this college type castle is essentially the antichrist and what they have to do in the four years that they're supposed to spend at college is assist demonic entities in rapturing the con the continents that they do not part they are not living on continents they're living on this island but they have a connection to hell essentially so when our main character realizes this in his freshman orientation, he's like, I cannot do this. And his childhood best friend is like, no, it's cool. We just have to go with it, you know? Um, and then he tries to escape because he's over it. And he is sent to a punishment game in which students who rebel against the purpose of the Institute have to um, face the seven princes of hell, where it's like a simulated tower where they have to escape, but each floor of the tower is run by one of the seven demons of hell. And poor Abe has to find his way out while facing the nature of sin and um, 
just trying to stay alive. So it's kind of like the comp titles are Dante's Inferno meets One of Us is Lying, but it kind of has like escape the room vibes as well. Nice. So that's what I'm working on now. You could actually build an escape room out of this. Yes. So like, hurry up so we can do that next time. why are you making my <laughs> Just saying, you know. <laughs> I'm making it. I'm making their job harder because I want them to write this faster. And I know, mm. <laughs> no pressure. Nano coming up. It's like I sent piece a part of it to my agent, and he was like, "You're doing a little too much. Maybe you should scale it down." Um, he liked it, but he was just saying like, focus more around the game. So I'm just trying to like make it more concise and. It's really coming along. It feels like the YA stories that I grew up reading, like The Hunger Games and The Maze Runner. It has those vibes, kind of, which is cool. Yeah. When you started talking at one point, my mind went to, and noting that you like Neil Shusterman. Mm -hmm. Because I I love some of his books. And I'm going to butcher to say it. Oh, Scythe? Scythe. Oh, yeah. Um, Scythe, yeah. Love, love, love. I need to read the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Like two more. Yeah, they're too much. Because um, that first one was phenomenal. And I did like mm-hmm. the Unwind, which was, they're pretty, I don't know if you pick up those, the Unwind books, Unwound. I love Unwind, the Unwind histology. Yeah. Everything that I write has some sort of like influence from Neil Schusterman because he was my favorite growing up. So Jake Livingston, you know, that was inspired partially by the Everlost series. And um, yeah, Dante's Game definitely has some scythe vibes going on for sure oh that is so cool he's like our brains i feel are <laughs> connected or something because like everything he wrote as a kid kid just like really spoke to me it's like this is exactly what i want to do i want to do like big world building and social issues and teen characters in these like dire circumstances so if you can yeah. meet neil um would you jump at that opportunity? Yes, that would be, that's like a dream of mine, to be honest. Yeah, I'm afraid of meeting some of those people that I really look forward, like, like look up to, because I know my voice would crack. I'm like, oh, sir. Oh. <laughs> that would totally yeah. be Thank God Ray Bradbury is not with us, because I would totally probably get a restraining order against me. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't know the necromancy we're working with? Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, it's speaking of meeting people that you deeply admire, I, I'm just going to do this because I can, and I'll embarrass you because I can. <laughs> um, I did have a moment in the airport where I, like, after giving you a hug, I just kind of stood there and was like, hey, they're real, but I don't know how to talk to them, even though... Oh, my gosh, please. <laughs> they're not used to hearing me. What am I going to do? Wow, not you starstruck by me. I did. I had a moment. Like, it was a good two minutes and i was just like do i say how do i speak i don't know how to be myself right now no i felt like that too because it was just weird meeting each other in person i know yeah yeah we'll just stick to the phone for now no i'm just kidding (laughs) aaron's gonna start writing like anthony ryan fanfic no (laughs) no thank you oh my gosh i i don't like i don't like this is an RPF free zone. Aaron, do you have a question? Because you haven't asked one yet. I just have questions that we're on here. Well, I don't have anything that I want to ask. Oh. I have a question if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, yes. no. Oh my gosh. We'll smite you. No, and it, it kind of goes with, uh, with the whole social issues thing. And I was, I was just kind of curious how, A, how you balance that with keeping like the narrative entertaining 
and at what point in creating Jake Livingston, like specifically, when did, when did the social issues that you wanted to touch on come into play? Like, was that from the very beginning or yeah. How do you balance that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that even when I try not to write political books, they just become political because uh, that's always what's on my mind. You know, why is the world this way? How can we make it better? I always think about the things that bother me <clears throat> and I'm always meditating on them. So I think that's a natural a product of like what happens when I turn to the page. Um, I also feel that because Jake Livingston was really personal to me and I was kind of pulling from my own experiences that just like the things about my life that were inherently political came into the story. So I really just wanted to write the horror. I wanted to write a book about a ghost stalking a kid. And in telling the story of the character's life, it just kind of turned political. And I didn't feel like I had to do a lot to um, elevate that per se. It kind of just came naturally. Um, Yeah, sorry, my brother's dog is barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Hey, was that your brother's dog that I saw on Instagram the other day? Uh, tutelage. Yes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, she's yeah. So she's the four month old. Her name is Tuti, and then there's a nine month old named Raider. That's the one who's barking. Tuti is so cute. I love pitbulls, so that was easy. Yeah, they're actually bullies, so they're not technically pitbulls, but in the same family. Right. Yeah. The jaw. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's like that scene in Mandalorian where the, the, the old imperial officers like show me the baby. Nobody wants to see the dogs. <laughs> I mean, that's like Zoom etiquette these days. Like, if show you have an animal, dog. we have to talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but the audience can't see the dog. They can hear them, but they can be jealous. You guys can see the dog if you want. <gasps> can we see the dog? I mean, I've already seen the dog, but can we see the dog? You want me to bring her? Okay, one second. <laughs> the audience will be jealous, but that's when we plug the Instagram yeah. or the online media oh, with yeah, the dog true. picture and that's go, true. you want to see the dog? Well, you got to follow. Well, it's technically in Ryan's story, so it's probably about that. But you, you know what I mean. But, but there could be a wondering too like thinking about some of the characters and the way jake livingston ended if he's gonna write a sequel if he ever will. oh okay. you should ask i, I, I want to know what they were okay okay later please <laughs> <laughs> they just really want to love a lot of you Okay, That's All right, Aaron, ask your question before Andy asks it. Oh, about the adaptation? Yeah. All right, so if Jake Livingston became an adaptation, would you prefer it as a movie adaptation, a TV show adaptation, or a stage adaptation? Ooh, a stage adaptation. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, I think I would prefer a movie. I feel like it's not... <laughs> quite episodic enough to be a tv show or maybe like not long enough either to be a tv show so i definitely want it to be a movie 
I really wanted to be an animated movie, to be honest. Ooh. Ooh. In what style? Um, you know, I'd be down for like CGI or 2D, to be honest. I'd be down for like a Miles Morales type like comic book. Yeah. Book. Ow. I think that'd be really cool too. Like a specific that like would be dope. Do you have like a specific voice in your head, like actor wise, who you think would like be good for like some of your characters? Um, so it's hard because like there's not a lot of like teen black boy actors that I know working today. I think it'd be really cool to have an unknown though. Ooh. Like give an opportunity to someone new. Yeah, I like that. Kind of like a Nick Robinson situation yeah. where you pull them off the street. And mm-hmm. They're like, I realized through Jake I was gay. And it's like, yeah, you did. Spread that word. <laughs> yeah, just spread the opportunity, he's you know. He's way too light skinned, but God, I love him. Justice Smith would be an Wait, I just, I just, so I got asked this question for like an interview that I did the other day and I said Justice Smith for Jake. I was like, okay, if we're getting into the realm of 20 somethings, Justice Smith would be good for Jake. And then I said Deron Horton for Alistair, but he's like 28. So, or Deron, oh, yeah, but Deron, huh, listen. Uh, oh, Justice. Ooh, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, he lives rent free in the palace in my mind. Yeah. Jordan Fisher actually is very attractive and could play. I just have never seen Jordan Fisher act, so I actually don't know. He's good. Oh, is he? He's good at his job. Okay. He's an Evan Hansen. That's right. Okay, I have a question for you. And this is because I have some knowledge of how audiobooks get produced. Um, But did you have any input on the narrators? Yeah. um, I feel like the guy who was responsible for it, he just like ran the names by me and I listened to them and immediately I was like, yep, that's what I want. Perfect choices. <laughs> um, I liked uh, Kevin R. Free because he, the voices that he does for the characters are just like always just so on point. And then Michael Crouch brought this vulnerability to Sawyer that just like stopped me in my tracks. I was like, wow, like that's exactly him. Um so I did have input, but I didn't make that process too difficult. I was just kind of like, these guys sound great. <laughs> Let's do it. I was a little impressed when I looked up uh, Kevin after after listening to the book. And, mm-hmm. like, with, and with a couple of narrators, too, like Dion Graham, he's a 50-year-old male, and he tends to be like young teenage boys. And I'm like, hey, how are Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Because you hear him talking like an interview is deep, you know, boy. Mm-hmm. And you hear him like pretend to be a big young teenager, and it's amazing. And I had the same reaction when I saw Kevin. I'm like, how did you sound like that? Yeah, yeah. That's like what I was worried about because a lot of the narrators for YA are like really older people um, but the way he managed to kind of just like capture the essence of these characters was just so impressive like I didn't even know how some of them sounded until he did a voice and I was like oh that's that's it that's them yeah so he really got it and I was so glad that I got a black queer person to do it because I felt that he really understood the story as well that's Kevin R. Free. This is my chance and opportunity to plug the book that I'm going to plug until this book is an international runway success. Sorcerer of 
the wild thieves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't read that. I have to look to see if the big Livingston is on the Audis. Yeah, do, you, do you know? Oh, sorry. <laughs> familiar with the Audis? With the the Audis, the audiobook awards. Um, no, I didn't know they had those. Oh, I'll have to make sure you get a link. Um, at the end of the year, usually they announce the winners in like early February, and then they have a little uh, a ceremony in March, and it's Grammys, Tonys, Oscars for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doing anything YA related this year, listening to and judging. I'm going to reach out to some of my friends. I'm like, who is doing teen? Who's doing YA? Because I, I would like to know if Jake Livingston's on the docket, be reviewed, and possibly judged. Um, I think that'd be awesome. That'd be kind of cool, like a best new YA year. Ooh. Yeah. Hopefully they have a better, better uh, host. Last year they had John Leguizamo as a host. And although I love John Leguizamo, whatever he was on at, while he was hosting that ceremony, I'm like, oh, dear God. It's still not worth Lord R. R. Martin hosting the computers. Uh, Why? Okay, not to wrestle this back onto the topic. But, <laughs> so what I'm hearing is after all of this very well-deserved love for your audiobook narrators, would you ever want to narrate one of your own audiobooks, or do you want to leave this to the voice actors? Um, so... I just feel like I don't have the talent to do all the different voices. Like if it was kind of just, I feel like I would trip up with the dialogue and like switching. Um, if I were just like narrating in a poetry book or something, I would want to do that. But um, it's like the the getting into character that I think would trip me up. Um, speaking of poetry, I one of the other podcasts that you were on, I listened to, did this. Please tell me you have a poem, Andy. Oh, did you you heard my voice cracking, right? Because I was so nervous reading that. <laughs> really? I was like, I cannot do this. But I can do one if you want. <laughs> I do want. Yay. Um, I don't know which one I should read, though. I'm going to put the dogs back really quick. That's okay. Yeah. 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 They're gonna pee. <laughs> but no, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> I hope the audio picked that. <laughs> Someone's gonna come into Grant. Lord, let them pee. <laughs> oh, you've been renamed. <laughs> That's to be the t shirt. Let them pee, I say. <laughs> Are we sure in town now? <laughs> Could we get like, like specific semi-bookish t-shirts? Rather, it's like it's like logo and on the back, like something we're known for. Hers would be no. One time, I do it one time. <laughs> We've used it every it was time. Pretty epic, though. Ironically enough, we use it every time somebody people. swears on the on the podcast. That's what we use. <laughs> okay, for sake of exploring something kind of weird, um, yes, Ryan, if you had a the opportunity to go back in time and, and manipulate events in your life so that you were born in a library, 
Oh God. How cool would I'm that be? <laughs> so that I was born in a library? Like your mother gave birth to you in a library. Like she is going would... to the day book and actually, you know, water breaks, labor, boom. Andy is asking you this to haste me right now. <laughs> That'd be a great story to tell. <laughs> to tell? Right. Well, yeah, I became an author because it just, when I came out, the books transferred something to me, the atmosphere. That's like a really romantic story to tell. I ordained that. That's interesting. Actually, it is, yeah. Okay, <laughs> now I'm thinking about a lot more inspiration. I'm honestly thinking about how my wizard is going to birth a baby in a library. It might Especially because he works at Liberty. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's not my fault. So read a poem and take us out of this. Oh, I thought you'd forgotten that I was supposed to do that. Damn it. Did you really think that I've already <laughs> forgotten an email that we were supposed to exchange? But that's mostly because I don't want to expose my chapter one. Oh, yeah, we were supposed to switch chapters. Yeah, we were. Um, I was editing mine, though, so it's changed a lot. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, so it's okay. We're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of my poetry in Boy Jeopardy is really heart-wrenching, and then there's, like, inspirational ones, but I don't know what which what, what genre we're, we're looking for here. You're a horror writer. Wrench our hearts. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of just want you to go, yeah. Uh, please in the best way possible <laughs> also everybody here has to buy boy jeopardy it's brilliant um okay <clears throat> um <laughs> do you want to go stay straight to the daddy issues do you want to read dad <laughs> you could read that one or you could read the one that my favorite one is the one about your brother okay um i can read the one about my brother that one's a little longer yes Okay, I'll read that one. This one's called An Open Letter to My Brother, The Realist Not Live. Dear David, did swinging at that boy make your house any smaller? Do your Black friends know you are a band freak with rollerblades who worship Lincoln Park in the fifth grade? And what did you prove with your paintball bruises before your before your nano filled with Wayne and your closet gold chains before Austin and Tyreek taught you how to talk, act and basketball and rap? Do you understand the struggle from the music you repeat? Does having access to things make your blackness a performance piece? Why am I ashamed to say I understand your truth? Why, if this letter is for me, am I pretending it's for you? We brown boys were cookie aisles with just two options, cream-filled Oreo and Oreo chocolate. We African remnants were pendulum of choices. We're running out of breath or silencing our voices. Have the white hands yanked at the kinks in your hair, cast you alien species, black bear, something scary. Dear God, forgive me for asking you to make me whiter. Couldn't stand Miss Hill confusing Daryl for me. Didn't want to be in a punch bowl of two frozen juices smashed and mixed up by a porcelain spoon. Big brother, I am you. We are Daryl and Tyreek, all victims of history and taught not to be. To be different is to be separate, but equal. 
to be articulate is to frighten white people. I see in you a story not yet written, but erased, a package thrown away because they didn't like its casing. Promise me you will never, ever change. I guess these are the things I've always wanted to say. I miss the old us, popsicles, board games, and pillow fights. I want my little bros to rise above school and walk home with pride. That is all I want to leave behind my life. Because brother, I know, I know what it's like to grow up a stab wound, bleeding color and language that no one in the classroom understands. Love, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> that poem actually won me $150 at a spoken word uh, contest in college. That's What's up? That, as it should. I fall. <laughs> like, when I bought Poor Jeopardy and I read it in an hour, I got to that one and like froze, cried, read it again, and then kept going. Because it was on page. I was like, oh my God. So thank you. Thanks. I didn't, usually I read it with more like, ferocity but i just i'm tired today so that's okay that's a mood <laughs> i was gonna say yeah. why don't you just come back and accents and performance we could record it <laughs> behind the scenes with ryan oh uh, you know what actually that that gives me another that question maybe question we'll see um i really liked that you had brothers in your book mm-hmm. because I feel like YA has a shortage of brotherhood, mm-hmm. black brotherhood particularly, but like brotherhood is something that you never see explored or rarely see explored. And I liked that was a key element to the book. But yeah, not a question, just a thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that boys in general are not really the subject of YA books recently. <laughs> there used to be a lot more boy books, but lately it seems like they've fallen off. That's true. Actually, I did, that does lead me into a question that I had earlier um, about like, so queer identity is one of those things that always changes. And as you get older, you find out things about yourself that you're like, ah, not, or not, ah, but you know, you're like, where did that come from? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And you sort of folded into the person that you are or are growing. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, have you speculated about how Jake's queer self develops the older he gets? How his queer self develops? I didn't hear the last part. The older that he gets? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think that there's a there's a part in the book where he comes out to his brother and his brother is like telling him like mantras to repeat. And he's like, dad is a dickhead. And Jake's like, dad is a dickhead. And he's like, and I'm still a man. And Jake is like, I'm still a man because he's like, there's like a question mark because he's like, I don't know. (laughs) Like he doesn't feel, you know, he doesn't know what his gender is yet. And I think. I like to think that like Jake is just coming to terms with his gayness. So I like to think as time goes on, he would come to, you know, not identifying um, as much with cisness. He probably is more um, gender fluid and that's kind of like not something that he figures out 
at age 16 in the two weeks or the three weeks that the book takes place. But, you know, I definitely think that is probably developing. And when I write The Taking of Jake Livingston 2, we'll be able to see that. That answers one of my questions. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. Are we officially getting a two? I'm going to give it a shot. I can't make any promises that it will be published, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to return to the world once I finish Dante's game and see what I can find. I'm excited. I think Jen should get smacked today because oh, yeah. she yeah. suggested it. Yeah, so have I worked we, real hard on did this. You, did you all explain to him the no. smack? Well, I did a little bit in an email because I was going to try to coerce him or into having this really devastating one. <laughs> like, like, so like your, your wig literally, like it's pulled off and... <laughs> Anything all the throwback references. Terrible things like, said recently. What? Okay. Grant gets so scared, he grows more hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lucille. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he gets so freaking horny. Yes. Thank you. Take us away. Song. All right. So you understand? You understand the game then, right? It's like uh, Mary Kill, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there it is. But we have to play the safe for work first. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Snack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm married about a cadaver. Your choices are. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Okay. Your choices are Jordan Peele, Winston mm. Duke, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Okay. Um. I'm sorry. Um, I know the thought that just went through your head. Bro, you don't, you don't. Okay, I have to marry Jordan Peele, snog uh, Daniel, and kill Winston Duke. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> okay. That's why I said I'm sorry. I knew it wasn't going to be the popular answer. No, we are no longer sisters. Uh, Second of all, are you I'm scared? Sorry. No, we could be sisters, but you're killing my husband. Wait, wait, wait. Come back. Like, reason this out a little bit. Why are you going to kill Winston Duke? Those thighs, honey. Explain why you're going to kill those thighs. I I just think Daniel is sexier. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. Uh, like, I could, like, uh, spending a night with Daniel and marrying Winston would be... Killing Jordan would be the price to pay there. I'm, I'm okay with Killing that. Jordan? Yeah, no. Jordan Peele. No, we got to we gotta marry Jordan. Me and Jordan would like, we would connect minds. It would be it amazing. Yeah. Creative magic would happen. When I was presented like as a document, I was totally marry Jordan, snog Winston. You can't kill Daniel Kaluuya though. Like if you have seen- You gotta kill somebody. That's cool, but if you have seen, what is that movie? Oh my gosh, Ju- Judas and the Black Messiah. You cannot kill Dick. <laughs> like, he's a genius as an actor. And yeah. Attractive, fine, whatever. Not more than Winston, but I'll give you your whatever. I mean, have we made people play this with many ugly people before? We had a monster available. That's better. Grindle. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that episode specifically. Yeah. Wasn't I marrying Grindle? Yes, I think you probably Yeah, were. I was marrying Grindle, but that's because Grindle is under 
served by that narrative, okay? I'm Listen, sorry. I don't trust anything you say after that game was smack. Listen, if you have, if you don't understand that Grindel is the actual hero of Beowulf, you're reading it wrong. Okay, I also, something about Anthony that still trips me out, and I made fun of Anthony today for this. Oh, God. Um, we had a podcast where, yes, <laughs> where the whole focus of the podcast was, was books that give your heart a hug. Mm. So take that in for a second, right? We're talking... I, I can't even remember what I said anymore because I was so blown away by Anthony.